Hello, welcome to Res- Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. The gadget show where we do not talk about the new shiny, shiny things to buy, but instead about the value in the stuff we already have. Most weeks, Restart Radio is hosted by the team at the Restart Project, a London-based charity and social enterprise, but this week you're listening to a takeover of Restart Radio. As volunteers and friends of the Restart Project, we actively promote a more sustainable relationship with our electronics, but we don't do this for our day jobs. So please note that all views expressed in the following show are our own and not representative of the Restart Project. My name is Dave Lukes and I'll be our host this week. I'm joined by Panda Mary. Hi there. And Andrew Gabriel. Hi there. Two long-standing Restart, long Restart volunteers. This week we'll be talking about the Internet of Things and home automation, two topics that seem to be occupying the news quite a lot recently for various good and bad reasons. But first, a, bit, a little bit of tech news for the week. Um, one thing I spotted is in The Guardian, um, links will be on the website, by the way, uh, researchers at the University of Cambridge have identified a group of materials called niobium tungsten oxides. Not much interesting there, but apparently what these can do is increase the rate of movement of lithium ions through rechargeable batteries. What this means is that we can have much faster charging batteries. Why do we care about that? Well, it just means, to be honest, People will have more gadgets in the future to some extent, but it does mean maybe they'll be more efficient and we won't waste so much power recharging them. Um, Other things that caught my eye, um, massive mergers of uh, TV stations in the States, Sinclair Broadcasting apparently trying to take over Tribune Media. And, of course, Donald Trump is involved, just in case you thought we were not going to have anything about Donald Trump on this show. Sorry. Um, Because apparently Trump is publicly backing the deal, which is politically a big no-no as far as the FCC are concerned. Other good news from our point of view, um, for those of you who haven't been following the story, quick bit of background. For a long time, some Samsung employees who contracted leukaemia have been blaming the company for this. Um, And not just Samsung, many other big electronics companies. There have been issues and questions asked about whether the chemicals used, the way they've been used and so on, is actually causing leukaemia and other cancers among employees. Samsung last week apparently have actually agreed to go to arbitration about this. This is a big step forward because until recently they just denied any culpability, refused to take any responsibility. Now they're going to arbitration. So good luck to all you Samsung employees and thank you for Samsung for at least taking a step forward on this. And that took 10 years to arrive to that stage. Yes, yes, good point. Thank you, Panda. And that's 10 years since they started talking to Samsung is a long time before that they started contracting leukaemia as well. Of course, yes. And this is not new to the smartphone generation either. Um, way back in, I think, the noughties, possibly even the 90s, um, IBM employees were complaining about rates of cancer in factories in California. So it's been a long-standing problem, and hopefully this is the first step in getting some kind of resolution for the poor unfortunate people who got contracted cancer. Um, any other tech news, guys? Anything struck either of you? Yeah, there is a news about uh, the Weiwei stunt, uh, where in Soho they um, invited people to uh, come to uh, one paper shop and uh, bring their phones, break their phones, and in exchange would get a new Weiwei phone. Apparently, you were not allowed to bring a Weiwei phone to uh, to <laughs> smash, uh, and that's. A, I mean, th- there seems to be no. I mean, very little thinking behind uh, behind such a stunt, as it's. It's just, I mean, wanton demolition of uh, possibly working phones 
and people who had issues with uh, some of the Huawei phones and uh, asked on the Twitter thread that, uh, that invited people to come to the shop for help in fixing their phones got no response whatsoever. So uh, Huawei seems more in interested in, uh, in uh, destroying uh, um, phones than in ensuring that, uh, that even their own phones work longer. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I saw that, and I didn't believe it. When I saw it, I thought it was an April Fool gag. But apparently, yeah, they literally said, bring your non-Huawei phone to, how you, is that how you pronounce it, Huawei? Wait, wait, but they, did, they didn't say that. Apparently, they, that was a condition, but that's, the, the yeah. announcement didn't mention that uh, you, you shouldn't bring your Huawei phone. But apparently, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a string condition. Yeah, you, you, you could not destroy your Huawei phone, yes. Not surprising. <laughs> but seriously, yeah, I did not believe this. You brought your non your mobile phone to this shop smashed it up with their help and they would give you a new phone there was there was a nice uh, twitter comment uh, uh, by someone called sam gage who said uh, try to do this to my 3310 still going at it <laughs> <laughs> yeah for those of you who are nostalgic the old generation of non-smartphones were a lot more rugged than current smartphones. I know somebody who proudly said they dropped, a, again, a 3310 down three flights of stairs, concrete stairs, and picked it up, and it was still on the call. You know, um, so sorry about that for all your nostalgia freaks. Um, but it's, apart from the incredible waste, you know, this is basically a way to persuade people to upgrade their phones to a different brand, isn't it? It's not... There's no intrinsic value in this exercise. If they said, oh, strip your phone down, you know, here's a box of screwdrivers, let's strip your phone down and you can, you know, recycle the components or something, I could understand that. But they were literally asking them to smash them up. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Yeah, they, 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 I think they had goggles, you know, lap suits and, uh, and baseball bats and all, and hammers. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just... It's just horrible, yeah. I mean, I've been so inconsiderate and, uh, and both, I mean, uh, um, not putting any any value in uh, in the in the phones themselves, not in the uh, in the materials that there is there. Some of them are likely to have been uh, in uh, in good nick and could have been used yeah. by other people. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is uh, is really badly thought out. PR stunts. Yeah, and I would say. I know childish is the thing that occurs to me thinking about it. You know, if they bought them along and said, we'll recycle them, we'll up, upcycle them, we'll give them to projects which are giving people phones who don't have them, I would totally agree with it. But smash them up for what? I wouldn't personally take a hammer to something with a lithium battery in it. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Andrew. We mentioned that before on this show. Lithium batteries do have a habit occasionally of exploding when they're mistreated. Um, there are some very amusing Instagram videos I've seen of there's one of a guy biting a battery for some reason. I have no idea why he did it, but it then exploded in his hand. Um, so, yeah, taking a hammer to a phone is generally a good idea. So as a public service announcement, let's just say, don't hit your phone with a hammer, especially if it's got a lithium battery in it. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Andrew. There is another news uh, which I think uh, brings us straight into the, to this topic. is uh, uh, the news about uh, Jaguar, uh, Jaguar Land Rover cars yeah. uh, who... Uh, Apparently, there is an app that uh, lets you um, open the doors and start the engine and, uh, and know where the car is and access some telematics of the car. And th th there's a couple of issues with that. Apparently, when you buy your car, if the previous owner uh, has not unlinked uh, the app, then the previous owner still controls uh, all these functions of the cars, and you can't uh, uh, transfer this control without the uh, uh, cooperation of the previous owner, which may or may not be possible, of course. 
And mm. that also means uh, that if uh, if no one has linked uh, uh, an app to the car, uh, uh, if you give your car to uh, to be parked on a valet parking or whatever, then they can do it as well because you only need apparently the VIN number and I think access to button in the car. So if you've got access to the car and an app has not been linked to the car, then you can link your own. Interesting and very creepy. And I presume that's one of those unintended consequences things because I'm sure they didn't mean to do that, but somehow, hey, you know, here, let's have this great app and then not quite think it through all the way. Presumably there should be a button in the car to unlink the app, I would have thought, or something as simple as that. I mean, it seems that, I mean, as is quite common on uh, all these connected uh, um, infrastructure devices, IoT and so on, that, uh, that it's often done by people who don't really understand security and don't invest in security oh, yeah. and end up with pretty atrocious results, yes. Yeah, and if you think about the consequences of that, as you say, if somebody sells their car, then the previous owner can still track the car? I, I believe from the news stories that they can track the car and unlock the doors, for instance. Hmm. Not nice if you just left all your valuables in the car, really. Not that I'm recommending you leave your valuables in the car, of course. But hey. Okay, that's it for tech news. Now, there are two topics we want to talk about here, which are very closely related. The Internet of Things, uh, which is a very vague term to describe things which aren't traditional computers attached to the Internet. We'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. And also home automation, which, of course, is generally done using Internet of Things or IoT devices these days. Now, home automation, we're talking about all sorts of different things you can do here. Andrew, do you want to give us a quick five-minute introduction? Yes, I started playing with home automation around about 2000. So this is before there were any commercial products that were, were well-known. Um, I... I mean, I did it because it interested me, but I was also, at the time I was working for a company which uh, sort of posted me out to the States for a couple of weeks every so often. And it was nice to be able to keep tabs on the fact that, you know, the house was all still working okay. Um, and I could turn the heating on and things like that before I came home. And, you know, back in 2000, this was seemed quite revolutionary, but it also seemed blindingly obvious. And at the time I thought, oh, in, in a few years' time, everybody would be doing this. But, you know, <laughs> where are we? We're nearly 20 years later. And, yeah, you can now go out and buy some products that actually start to do this. So it, it's taken a long time, um, but it, it, it's starting to appear. I did some – I mean, I didn't really know for sure exactly what I was going to do with it, but one of the key things I did quite early on was just measure everything – and you can mm -hmm. you can kind of look back at data afterwards and see some interesting uh, trends. You know, I, I changed the way my heating was controlled. And in fact, over the course of about 10 years of gradual changing, gradually improving it, I've reduced my heating bills by 55%. And that was just, wow. from, just from the home automation side. That was not doing any fancy insulation or anything else to the house. So it can, you know... Uh, uh, making making your heating you know, based mm. on the occupancy of the house rather than be just crudely switched on and off by a time switch. Um, and you're, again, you don't bother to heat hot water tank, at the, which was the, the form of heat, hot water heating I had at the time if there's nobody in the house. Things like that mm. you know, can make a big difference. So Let's just be clear about that. Mm. You're saying 55%. In other words, your, heat, your bills are now less than half what they were before. Less than half, yes. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Really? Yes, yeah. Um, uh, for no inconvenience and no woolly jumpers. No, no. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, one Panda? interesting aspect in, uh, in uh, what you what you explained mm. is that you have complete control of the data. It's something that is that that is not shared and not uh, and not uh, managed by uh, 
by some intermediaries and remote companies and so on. That's true. Um, when I did this, the cloud infrastructures were not around. Um, I had no interest in sharing my data with anybody else. Now, of course, many of the commercial products around today rely on cloud infrastructures and rely on third, you know, third-party servers being around. And there are there have been at least a couple of occasions where those have failed because the companies have wound up or the infrastructure has broken for a few hours, leaving mm -hmm. people unable to control their homes. The other thing you might uh, consider here is, um, of course, you're not necessarily paying for that particular service. So, you know, you are, you know, you are the product in that case. Your data is being taken and can be used, and you know, to decide what products perhaps to advertise to you. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of potential there, which you may or may not be happy with, but you should certainly be aware of. That, that was nicely summed up in uh, mm. in a talk uh, by Terence Seden that we I think we mentioned in a previous radio show, mm. uh, which uh, which was called called the, the Connected House of Ours, mm. and his top tip was uh, <laughs> don't do it, don't connect everything, <laughs> and then if you must, don't buy unsupported crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, the whole support question is kind of is very is key for me because. These things, you buy something really fancy, it's supported by a very well-meaning company you know, that provide you with all these clever services where you can say, when somebody walks in the front door, switch this on, etc. But correct me if I'm wrong, all these modern devices are based in the cloud, aren't they? That's pretty much the situation today. Um, and the other concern, uh, security-wise, is that, you know, okay, if you've got a Microsoft operating system, you'll be well aware that you get a bunch of security updates, you know, once a month or so. Mm -hmm. How often is the firmware in your fridge or your, you know, <laughs> or your washing machine updated? Or you just know, your smart thermostat. Yes, you know. yeah. It's, you know, are, are security updates being applied to those? Is a company that sold that to you still even interested in that model? Right? You know, how, how long is that product going to be around? How long will they support it in their cloud infrastructure? The, these may not be terribly permanent products that you're, you're purchasing. Well, based on the experience mm -hmm. of mobile phones, it's about a couple of years, isn't it? Yeah. Seriously. Yes. Yeah. There is, a, there is an interesting Twitter account, uh, which I'm not sure the name can be said on the, on the radio live uh, internet of S and a few more letters, yeah. <laughs> uh, which regularly publish pictures of, uh, uh, of internet uh, of things devices which are in uh, in uh, in weird states, and and when you say so, the, the updates don't happen. But it's also a problem when they do happen. Uh, <laughs> when you you try to get your drinks from a drink machine and uh, and it's being uh, uh, its version of Windows is being updated, <laughs> or or same thing on your fridge. Yeah. And uh, and when the update goes wrongly, then you end up with a fridge with uh, with a screen that shows permanently uh, uh, a non-functioning uh, system. Or effectively, that happened as well when the fridge is not supported anymore. Uh, and then so as long as the functionality is not essential for the functioning of the device, I mean, you just have a, a, a part of the function which is not working anymore. But if it's essential, then uh, uh, then you're kind of stuck. And so, yeah. so that you, I mean, you've got you've got the issue of uh, of the updates, but you also have the issue of uh, so of the security, uh, uh, whether someone else can take remote control uh, of your device. And I think we're going to talk more about that uh, in, in a short while. Uh, and there is uh, uh, there is the fact that it can be hacked, of course, and uh, there is uh, also the whole issue of uh, uh, side information, i.e., that you leak information on uh, on your usage. For instance, uh, um, smart meters in Germany in 2012, they were found that just looking at the information captured by the smart meters 
they could figure out which TV program uh, people were watching. <laughs> so you leak information which is which you might not realize. Uh, in addition to the one that you do realize about, uh, which uh, which can be issues with these remotely connected devices. <laughs> You're listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. This week we're talking about Internet of Things and home automation. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think it's important to realise that there are many potential gains to be had from this. So, OK, we're, we're flagging up a lot of the downsides, but there are many you know, potential mm -hmm. upsides. They're not necessarily all there yet. The, these are early... We're, we're in the early part of this game. Um, people are still trying to work out, OK, I can put a computer in a fridge. What can I do with it? <laughs> <laughs> and a number of the things that people start off doing with it are, are going to be silly and not useful. But, you know, the, the ability to, to reorder things may be valuable to some people. Mm. Um, we've talked about smart... We've meant, briefly mentioned smart meters, but actually having these things linked in, into the grid so that, for example, when there's an excess of power because the wind's blowing strongly and there isn't, you know... There isn't the load to consume um, uh, all the wind power that's being generated. That's an excellent time for things like fridges and freezers to decide to get a bit cooler. They can use some of that. And then when the wind yep. stops blowing, they won't draw power for a little while and, until they've actually warmed up to their, to their normal temperature again. So there's plenty of scope there for, for that sort of power management uh, to happen. And again, another example might be a washing machine. You might load it up and say... I need this washing done sometime in the next 24 hours. And the washing machine can then monitor what the state of the grid is and discover that in you know four and a half hours' time you're going to get some really cheap electricity because there's going to be a surplus. So it waits and then it does your washing at that particular time. I think there's the opportunity for these things, but the, 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 the Internet of Things isn't necessarily being used sensibly at the moment. It, it will come. So. Yeah. But, but, but the, if you've got this kind of a smart uh, uh, connected functionality, uh, they need to be really uh, taking into account all security aspects and, and doing it well. Uh, because if you remember in a, in the field that is supposedly secure and well sorted out with the financial uh, industry, when all the computers reacted to stock market in exactly the same way, mm -hmm. we ended up with a financial crash. And so if all the washing machine uh, uh, realize that now is the right time <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to use some uh, cheap electricity and all, uh, all uh, decide to activate at the same time, uh, we may end up with another similar crash. Oh, uh, and, and it seems that I have the impression, at least uh, for the time being, that, that there, is, uh, there is better success and, uh, and fewer issues in uh, possibly smart devices, but less connected devices, devices that, are, that can work on their on their own without having mm -hmm. consecration to cloud, or or a connection that is that is managed by the owner. I mean, such as uh, Andrew, you I mean yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. that are more kind of probably technical uh, users. Uh, yes, I mean, th th needs to be that sort of protection in place. Uh, going back to that example of a washing machine, um, it may negotiate with a supplier to say, you know, I need so many kilowatt hours, and yeah. the supplier, you know, comes back and says, right. You'll you'll be running at three thirty in the morning. Somebody yeah. with a, else with the same requirements may get a different time slot. So yeah. that sort of thing can be handled. Um, but yeah, you don't want every fridge in the country suddenly coming <laughs> in at the same moment just because the wind picks up a bit in Scotland. That could oh. that could cause some issues. Well, presumably also that this could be used long term for the power companies to manage their generation capacity and so on and so forth. Once they can see patterns of usage and see who wants to do their washing at what times. 
you know, you could theoretically use that to graph the usage and say, okay, well, we need more capacity at 3 a.m. on Tuesdays in the south of England or whatever, right? So is it for the convenience of the user or the convenience of the provider? How about for the convenience of the world? You know, there's no reason why things can't be done for the benefit of everybody, right, in principle. Now, if that everybody includes you, me, and the power provider, I'm happy with that, aren't you? Yes, I am, but yeah. but principles are often uh, distinct from reality. Oh, of course, totally, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are some, you know, as, as you said before, you know, there are examples of, for instance, people tracking your TV watching habits from your power consumption, bizarre as that may seem. And there'll be plenty of other examples, you know. That theoretically, for instance, they could put flow meters, somebody pointed this out, you could put flow meters in the sewage, in, in the sewer outlets, and work out how many times people are going to the toilet in a particular street, things like that. So, you know, the, the horrible possibilities are endless. Um, one of the things that rather creeped me out was gaslighting by IoT. This is really creepy because in the same way with the Land Rover Jaguar remote control example, um, what happens when you... Can I interrupt you just a second? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if everyone knows what gaslighting uh, is or come from. Go on, uh, quick 10 seconds. Yes. I mean, gaslighting come from uh, um, a 1938 play by uh, Patrick Hamilton, uh, and the following films in uh, 1914, 1944 called Gaslighting. Uh, and uh, and it's, I think it was used really in 19, from the 1960s onward, uh, which is the idea is that you, you kind of control someone else's behavior uh, um, by making them think that uh, uh, actions that they, that they haven't done, that they've done. I mean, in the film uh, or the play, the example was uh, Gaslight. Uh, so at the time the lighting was operated by uh, uh, gas, uh, and the and the husband was uh, going into the flat next door in the attic, and changing dimming the lights uh, by affecting the gas supply, uh, and uh, making his wife believe that uh, that in fact nothing had happened and she was crazy by uh, seeing the, the <laughs> light being dimmed. So that was, uh, I guess, an early uh, an early example of uh, remote control. Of, uh, <laughs> of uh, maybe not internet, I mean, pre-internet uh, uh, <laughs> of things, a uh, device. Yeah, gas net. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> the problem now, and there's an article, we'll link to it on the website in the New York Times, mm -hmm. pointing out that there have been examples of gaslighting, in other words, playing around with internet of things, devices like lighting, heating and so forth, um, by ex-partners. Now, that's kind of creepy if you think about it. You know... When you break up in a relationship, you change the locks, right? Now you have to change all the passwords on your Internet of Things connected devices, right? Because otherwise, somebody over the Internet can turn the heating up and down. They can presumably switch your Internet-connected fridge off, um, change the branding on your Internet-connected toaster, whatever. You know, all sorts of creepy things can happen that you don't know what's going on. So, again, this comes down to a security problem. How do you do that? Yeah, you know, if I had a house full of internet connected things, which by the way I don't, yeah, you know, how would I know which things I had to go around and change when I broke up with somebody? That would be kind of tricky, and it's a bit like changing the clocks when the time zone, yeah, you know, when the time changes over, yeah, you know, autumn and um, spring. Yeah, you, know, you have to run around the house saying, which ones of these do I need to change? Which which ones have I forgotten? And the same thing will happen there. So I can imagine, especially when you're now talking about internet connected door locks, yeah, you know, could be very creepy indeed. And it's both, I mean, the technical and the legal issues. I mean, the, and it affects all the victims <coughs> and the emergency responders 
Uh, and there was yeah. a comment, I mean, that because you mentioned so people need to think of disabling uh, uh, access by the ex-partners. And so, mm -hmm. But that that can create issues because if the partner is uh, is gaslighting uh, the ex-partner and, uh, and see that things are being disabled, uh, that can provoke them uh, uh, in some action. Yeah. Uh, and there was, uh, there was a comment by... Uh, uh, Jennifer Baker, uh, lawyer of Legal Momentum, uh, a women's rights legal advocacy group, which is saying the abuser can see it's disabled, uh, um, and that may trigger enhanced violence. So, yeah. uh, so it's it's uh, it's really a complex issue. Yeah, yeah, and this is not to say this is a new issue. Controlling behaviour by partners, ex-partners, etc., has been going on since long before the play or the film was made, and it's a psychological and, as you say, a legal issue, but. I think Internet of Things, home automation, that kind of thing, makes it that little bit easier. You yeah, it's another enabling tool, if you like. We didn't have I mean, remote control locks, uh, CCTV that could be viewed from the other side of the world and so on. Exactly, so, uh, yes, good uh, point. CCTV, so that, that, that's yeah. kind of, uh, there's a very invasive technology that is, uh, uh, that exists and that's, that is, I think, relatively new though, in, uh, in, the, in the fact that they're really cheap to install uh, and the fact that they, that they don't have poor security and they can be so easily remotely controlled. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw an example of an Internet of Things lock, and all you needed to know is its Bluetooth address, and you could actually access it. You know, you could, you could unlock it. Really bizarre. And apparently they then, the manufacturer then claimed, well, you know, it only provides a certain level of security. You know, so anybody with any vague technological abilities can open your lock. Not very nice. And even with the more sophisticated devices which have regular updates and everything else. We know software is complex, you know, and with the best will in the world, occasionally there will be loopholes, there will be back doors, there will be problems with this stuff, to say nothing of your ex-partner stealing the passwords when he leaves. I mean, the CCTV um, recorders are all running a full OS in there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, th those are vulnerable to security, you know, security issues that crop up that were not known at the time they were manufactured. Of course. Very, yeah. very few of those are updated, and they, they have been the attack vector for... A number of people, you know, a number of uh, connections into people's homes that mm -hmm. you, know, you might thought that you couldn't get back in through a router, but no, you can through a number of those. Exactly, yeah. I mean, not not just to view the images, but actually to get to other devices in the house. Yes, because again, most of these things, PVRs, mm -hmm. um, all of these things have some kind of computer in them, effectively. I mean, to get uh, the point you were making about mm -hmm. getting access to other devices in the house via mm -hmm. one device, mm -hmm. that has just been shown with uh, um, a vacuum cleaner, a smart vacuum cleaner who, uh, who had no security <laughs> and effectively could be, uh, could be accessed. Uh, uh, and then the rest of the house accessed via saying, oh, put a Wi-Fi sniffer or all, all these kind of things. That no, indeed, yes. uh, and you wouldn't expect a vacuum cleaner to be, <laughs> to be kind of the, uh, the weak point in your house. Well, that's one of the sad things. You know, you put smart on the front of it, you think it means smart. Really, it just means more capable. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of something to be to be aware of is that all these devices, yes, they are a computer. They can be programmed. They are, they are network aware. They are sitting on your local network, on your Wi-Fi. So anything that a hacker could do, if they can get access to your smart vacuum cleaner, your smart fridge, whatever, and they can download some code onto it, they've got an open door into your network. They can sniff your traffic, do all sorts of terrible things. I, I don't know if the same uh, smart lock you were mentioning, Dave, earlier on, but uh, there was a lock recently that was so smart uh, in name, and uh, and you could basically open it with a screwdriver. 
I think that may have been the same one. We're not mentioning any names here. But yes, that was right. Yes, you could actually open it up at the back. Yes. You could lever the cover off and there was a screw underneath and exactly. you could literally disassemble it. Bizarre concept. So, Bizarre. So that's what is called smart, what is sold as smart today. So that, that's, yeah. that's like some of the dangers of the, uh, of the smart label. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anything else before we wrap up the topic of IoT, etc.? Good. Well, that's been fairly interesting, hasn't it, folks? Now, before we get too pessimistic, let's talk about something that we like, which is repairing stuff. Um, please go visit the Restart Project's website, www.therestartproject.org, and we've got quite a few events coming up. Anybody remember when the next one is? I think there's one on Saturday in Tooting. Yes. My memory serves me well. Sorry, I don't have a list with me. Um, and several other events around London. So please get your devices down there and get them repaired, whether it's IoT or whatever. Um, remember, it's an IoT device, like a smart thermostat. You have to bring the whole flat with you so you can measure the temperature and so on. But apart from that, please bring your devices along and uh, anything else. And if you're a skilled repairer, please feel free to volunteer at one of our events. OK. Um, you've been listening to Restart Radio. Um, Find out more at therestartproject.org, as I said. Sorry, repeating myself again. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Look for The Restart Project. Thanks to Optonoise and Cassini Sound for our music, which was made with lasers, spinning discs, plastic discs, and discarded electronics. Keep fixing, and we'll see you next time. Thanks very much. Thank you.